Now, uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at just two verses. Um, I mentioned this um, a couple of weeks ago uh, in a prayer meeting, and I've mentioned it at a couple of our meetings uh, that we've had. Uh, Two weeks ago on September 24th, right before I was coming in to preach on a Sunday morning, the Lord gave me three dreams. Three dreams all back to back, and I woke up from those dreams shaken, like awakened, powerfully impacted. It did not affect the plans of the day nor the next week, but it was... God beginning to, to process something uh, on the inside of me. Um, for those who are newer to Calvary, um, I, I, I would say, uh, I'm going to just kind of say some things that you may have to catch up to. I am the pastor of this church, but I serve the body as a prophet. That means God just speaks to me. Now, here's the primary way, you know, you're in a presence of somebody who, office, who, who works in that office. Here's how. You start hearing God. That's, that's what, I'm to equip people to hear God. That's why, you know, in our class on Tuesday night, we have an ears to hear class. Uh, we have, you know, 50 some people signed up for that class and people are hearing God. The testimonies are already happening. People are having dreams and encounters with the Lord. They're hearing the Lord more clearly than they ever have in in their life. Now that's just a byproduct of that. Now, what you're about to experience today is more than just a teaching. It's more about a prophetic awakening that you would understand the moment, the time that you're in right now. That we would understand it and operate properly. The, in the Old Testament, there was this group of men called the sons of Issachar. And the reason why the sons of Issachar were celebrated is that they knew the times and seasons and what they should do in Israel. They knew times and seasons and how they should act. And I believe that God is awakening us as a church to know specifically how to act and how to take the necessary steps to align our heart with his. Now, um, something kind of neat, I'll, I'll just kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, my wife has a degree in criminal justice, okay? And before we, we moved here to Inverness back in 2000, she used to work for the Cape Coral Police Department. So she used to say this all the time, 911, what is your emergency? She was the tip of the spear. She's in that communications department. She actually has a criminal justice degree and decided that that she didn't want to be out on the road. She wanted to be the first voice that someone in crisis would hear. And in my opinion, you, you wouldn't want anybody else there. She has, had, she has been at the front of, of saving the lives of infants. Only to find out it was one of her co-worker's daughter. 
She was that, that, that tip of the spear, that, that person. Now, now, when we moved up here, she homeschooled our kids, and she wasn't working in that field for years. But I knew something was up when my, when my house started to be filled with the sounds of police scanners from cities across America. And so I'd hear this, these police scanners, you know, going off. And she's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you know, what they, you know what's happening? I said, I have no idea what's happening. I don't speak that language. I remember the night we were listening to what was going on in Chicago. That's a busy channel. And she's telling me, oh, no, this is, this is a, a, a gunshot victim is being being picked up, and they're, they're securing the scene, and she's telling me the, this, this whole thing. There's a reason I'm telling you, and today she works in forestry, and she's a duty officer for forestry. It's a little more low-key until she goes out, you know, on federal assignments to, to deal with some of these big fires. You know, a couple of days ago, I think we still had some Canadian smoke hit Florida. You remember that? Yeah. So there are, there are federal teams that go and try to fight those fires, and uh, so kind of first responders off-road. And, uh, and so, there's a reason why I'm telling you that. It's because my, in, right in my house is a first responder. And I, I had three dreams in a row. And this first dream, it wasn't just dramatic. It was, I, I've, I would say it this way, it was traumatic. And it was revelatory. And I believe God wants to share his heart with you and us, speaking to us about the season that we're in, to understand this moment. So in this first dream, and by the way, this sermon title is called Living the Dream. It sounds like I'm trying to sell a million books, but by the way, this message probably wouldn't sell that many. When I say living the dream, I'm talking about living this prophetic revelation that we are standing in right now. In the dream, it did not start off slowly, not blissful at all. I am dropped into a scene with first responders performing CPR on a husband and wife. And I'm, I'm in this scene and I, I see the wife and she's being attended to. And they got CPR going on and I'm drawn to the husband. And there the first responder has his hand on the chest. And with every compression, I see it. Both patients, for those who are familiar with this terminology, were intubated. Had a tube. It was going into their lungs. Normally, you would have a tool to help them get oxygen. But there was no tool. I watched this young man, if I, were to, if I were to run into him on the street, I would know him. I watched this young man feverishly working on this man who had to be about 60 years old. He is pressing and pressing and pressing and with no tool, he leans down to the tube, takes a deep breath. <laughs> tries to fill the lungs of the man who is teetering between death and life. And I watch this scene and, and the intensity of it in the dream. I, I, can, 
I don't know if you've ever had a dream you could feel, but this one, I, God allowed me to feel it. And I am watching this first responder work and work and work and work. And I watch the countenance of this young man drop. He throws up his hand. Now at that moment, I knew what to do. I walked over to that husband laying there with the tube coming out. The first responder had thrown up his hands. I laid my hands on that dead man and I said, in the name of Jesus, live. And suddenly the heart begins to beat again. And the eyes of the first responder lights up. And then a smile dawns on the face of the man as he opens his eyes and begins to breathe. Listen, this dream was so crystal clear. I can hear the sound of breath whistling through the tube. And then suddenly the first responder is looking at this man and sees that now he is alive so now they can help. And they, they, they get him up and they're, 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 they're rolling him out and, and I know for certain this man's going to live. But then my attention is drawn back to the wife. Same measures, same everything. And in the dream, I knew she perished, and I heard it. It's too late. Now, it's never too late for the name of Jesus and to raise the dead. Ask Andrew Womack, famous evangelist in, in Colorado, who in 2003 goes to his son while he's wearing a toe tag five hours dead in the morgue and raises him from the dead. It's never too late for the name of Jesus to work. It's never too late. But in the dream, the Lord wanted me to feel it. What it was like to experience something that probably first responders in this room, those who, who have served us in police and, and, and those who have been on the front lines, you experience it daily but those of us in the normal world, we experience that once, maybe twice in a lifetime. But the Lord in that moment wanted me to, to sense this one word. Urgency. And I've come to de declare to you more than just a sermon I've come to declare to you that there is an urgency connected to your assignment right now. There is an urgency in this moment. And I, I want to tell you, I am so grateful for all that is happening in the world. All that we can do, the first responders in the dream are symbolic of what man can do. They're symbolic of what we can do. And how many of you know, we want to be CPR trained. We want to do all those things. Why? Because in the natural, you want to do all that you can do. But how many of you know that there, our, our society is fraying right now? 
And the things that we are doing, they're not working. There's an urgency of this hour. And what I want to say to you is the structure of our society is wonderful. But God in this hour is calling a spirit-led, spirit-filled church to step into the urgency of this hour and to make a difference. When I left that first stream, the Lord didn't allow me to feel the celebration of the one who lived, but the desperation behind the one who perished. And I believe today by the Spirit of God that if we could handle it, God would just give us a drop of his heart toward those who are perishing we need a drop of it. A great evangelist used to say, Oh God, where is the anguish of soul upon the church for those who are in need? And today, I want to I compel you in to the greatest cause. It's the cause of the kingdom of God. Acts 17 says that God has pre-appointed the times in which you should live and the boundaries of your dwelling so that you might seek after him. One version says this, grope, reach, scratch, claw for him and listen to this, and find him even though he's not far from you. So that means this, you are put in this year, 2023, a specific time for a specific purpose. You are put here in this region, in this county, for a specific time and a specific purpose with a specific assignment. But I fear that many times we're not entering into our assignment because we don't sense the urgency. I'm so glad that we are, we are seeing a move of God. If you would have been here Wednesday night, and there's a lot of you who were not here Wednesday night, you would have seen 27 young people flood the altar to give their life to Christ. 27. I don't know. Listen, I don't know if you have ever seen what it looks like to see a young generation running to Jesus and abandoning the culture. But listen, here's what we can't do. In the hour of urgency, we're just surfing. We treat our spiritual life like our regular life. We're surfing and like the first responders and ambulances and sheriff, they're running into desperate situations. And I want to tell you, church, God is awakening an urgency in our heart to begin to run into very broken situations because our society is pulling apart. And the answer is a spirit filled, spirit-led church being used by Jesus. Let me talk to you a little bit about this. There's an urgency connected to sharing the gospel. These ju I just have two verses for you really today. Matthew chapter 10. 
We heard uh, Pastor Brian last week talking about, are you a sent one? Matthew 10 is the moment of the 12 getting sent. They're about to go on a Jesus mission trip. By the way, none of us would go on this mission trip. Read Matthew 10. Beyond these verses, he says, don't bring any money. Well, maybe some of us would go because we don't have any money. So we're like, well, if, if I'm going, it doesn't matter. But, you know, what, what, what really, he says, don't take anything extra. You're, you're trying to carry a lot of extra stuff. You'll try to carry a lot of extra things into this assignment. He said, you don't need them. And I feel like we as the church are carrying a lot of extra stuff and we're actually forsaking the urgency connected to the hour. And this is the moment where God is actually sending the 12 to do the dream of God. This is Matthew 10, Matthew 9. Jesus is teaching and preaching and healing. And he looks on the crowds with compassion and he says this, pray the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. And then Matthew 10, he's sending them. He's sending them. And I know maybe some of you are in here and maybe you're not even right with God. I want to tell you, there is an urgency of the hour. I want to compel you today to listen in with all of your heart. Listen in. If you don't have a relationship with God through Christ, listen in carefully because you are on God's mind. So much so that he would interrupt my sleep and try to awaken hundreds of his sons and daughters to the reality of the moment and the reality of the need of this hour. Now this dream comes with three instructions from this passage that I'm about to read. Just three instructions in order to live this dream. How we can be the people that God wants to use in a powerful way to step into moments of brokenness. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, it says this. As, as you go, man, you should make a note. It's not in my notes, but it says as you go. You should write this down. Staying's not an option. Staying where you are is not an option. Staying silent is not an option. Do you remember what Mordecai said to Esther? He said, if you remain silent, relief and deliverance will come from the Jews from somewhere, but your generation will perish. Your family will perish. He says, listen, staying silent for you, Esther, is not an option. And then he said those famous words, which we have heard echoed from pulpits over the years. Who knows if you have not come to the kingdom? for such a time as this let me tell you who knew it Mordecai knew it Mordecai knew that Esther was in the to, for th that time and so Esther began to pray I love this as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You'll understand why I picked this verse in just a moment. 
There are three instructions in these verses that connect directly to the urgency of what God is doing in my spirit. And I believe what he is awakening in sons and daughters. Listen, this kingdom is more about, man, I did really good this week. Oh, man, I'm not doing good this week. This kingdom is about overcoming all of that sin struggle and beginning to live in a place where you hear God and you start reaching people. Let me give you three things, and you'll notice these three things uh, from this passage. First, if you're going to live the dream, you've got to boldly proclaim the kingdom of heaven is here and now. Did you see that? It says, and as you go, preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Will, uh, will the true church, listen, please stop saying the kingdom of heaven is coming one day. That's true. It is coming. <laughs> Some of you think, man, the kingdom's going to come with a trumpet, right? Anybody looking forward to the trumpet? Man, that trumpet's going to sound. Listen, I pray it happens right now. The only thing is, I want to leave this place a little slow to see the look on the faces of the ones who are still seated. <laughs> I believe in that, but most of us think of the kingdom of heaven as, man, that trumpet's going to sound, and then we're all going to finally escape. I'm going to tell you. The rapture of the church is not so the church can escape. The rapture of the church is about the marriage of the bride and the bridegroom where he comes to grab the bride who is without spot and without wrinkle. She is ready and according to scripture, she has been effective all of her days. She's been effective in the kingdom. She's working in the kingdom. She's living in intimacy. And this is the culmination. Most of us don't even realize this. We're going to heaven for a short time for an amazing buffet. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we're coming back to rule and reign with Christ here on earth. Glory to God. It makes me excited. Listen. But that's not, the, the kingdom of God is not just then. The kingdom of God has actually begun. It's now. We need more men and women to begin to say, no, 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 I'm not waiting on the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. The kingdom of God is here and it is forcefully advancing. I'm here to tell you the kingdom's here. We're not waiting we're, listen, we're not waiting on a healer to arrive. The healer has come. We're not waiting on the one who, who, who saved. Yeah, we'll be saved one day. Listen, we're saved now, and we need to get this in our spirit that the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not afar off. God is saying, I want to compel you to take me by the hand and begin to say. That's the key. I want you to say this first step to live the dream. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to boldly proclaim the kingdom of heaven is here. Someone's falling apart because of a cancer diagnosis. The kingdom of heaven is here. 
Somebody's dealing with demonization. The kingdom of God is here. Somebody, you think they're, so, they're too far gone. They're not too far gone for Jesus to save. Why? Because when you show up and you're, you've, you've been born again, you're filled with God's spirit, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Oh, students, I want you to get this in your spirit. Man, you won't, you won't go dragging in on a Monday morning. You'll go in shining. After all, Monday follows Sunday. I'm telling you, you ought to leave church ready to take hell on with a squirt gun. Come on. You've been in the presence of God, been filled with the Word of God, had an encounter with the people of God, and now the government has assembled all the sinners in one place called a high school. And did that so you could be effective. Glory to God. Oh man, we need more people who would go into their workplace and say, the kingdom of God is here. We need more students to say, the kingdom of God is here. Why? Because I've been saved by the king. I walk with the king. We've got to boldly proclaim the kingdom of God is here. This is something you say. And here's how you would understand that and why you would say it. Because everything that Jesus provided through his death, burial, and resurrection and the outpouring of God's spirit is available now. It's available now. It's available. All we got to do is access it. All we have to do is share it. All we have to do is give it. The kingdom of heaven is here. Here's how I want you to think about it. There's 2 Corinthians tells us this. Whenever you're, you're readying yourself for the day, and this was definitely the urgency from which I, I, I left that first dream. This verse kind of reverberating in my spirit. It was, in the acceptable time I have heard you. 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 6.2 And in the day of salvation I have helped you. Remember the ones who were there trying to help. It says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That word is sozo. It means rescue. It means deliverance. Yes, it means salvation. But it means so much more. It means the yoke-destroying anointing of Jesus is available to flow through you if you will just begin to say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Whose hand? Yours? His hand. Listen carefully. Listen. If your life is submitted to, hand, it's submitted to him, that kingdom will flow through you. That kingdom will grow, grow through you. Make no mistake, God wants to use people. Let me give you a, a second instruction. So the first thing is something that you say. You're going to live this dream. Second, rely on spirit-empowered ministry 
as we reach the broken of this community. It has to be spirit-empowered ministry. Why? Because verse 8. Did you read the list? Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. That doesn't mean leopard. Because if you cleanse the leopard, it would become a puma. <laughs> cleanse the leper. Now this, to a Jewish audience, what do you mean? You want me to go to people that it's forbidden to go to? They're unclean. If I go to them, I'll be unclean. Jesus is confronting that idea here. He says, cleanse the lepers. How about this next one? Raise the dead. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Anybody ever do any of this? By the way, I, I just want to let you know, 12 guys were sent out. They all did this. You want to know who one of them was? Judas. We don't have record of all of the things that they did, but I can assure you, all 12 did all of these. So what should that tell you? You don't actually have to be perfect in order to be used by God. You need to be forgiven, growing, pointed. I wonder if what we aren't doing these days, though, is we have stopped relying on spirit-empowered ministry, and we are back to first responder ministry. Here's how I know. Here's how I know. Christmas is coming. By the way, I walked into Lowe's yesterday. It's already Christmas. It's everywhere. Pumpkins were way off on the side. It's like, I'm ready to rock. I'm like, let's go. Especially if some of y'all got like these 19-foot demons in front of your house. People actually used to ask me to come over to cast those things out. Now they ask for help to put them up. Go figure. I wouldn't if I were you. By the way, the first one was something you say. This is something you do. If you're going to live this dream, this is something you have to do. Now, um, I think a lot of ministries that start on the right foot have actually ended up in a, a, a bad place. So Christmas is coming. Salvation Army is going to be seen for a month. What are they famous for? Ringing the bell. Um, I'm just going to say, 
wasn't that long ago when they were not famous for ringing the bell. They were famous for going in and turning cities upside down for Jesus. I'm telling you, they would go in and proclaim the gospel, not only in the U.S., but in the U.K. They would proclaim the gospel. And people, I could re- when, when the Spirit of God started moving, moving Smith Wigglesworth's wife was involved in the, in, the, in the Salvation Army. And Smith had gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. Smith's wife said this, we'll see how full you are of the Spirit. Come with me in the streets. And now, Salvation Army. Guys, what we have done is we have shied away from ministry that would require the presence of God. And we have said, we can do this. By the way, everything the Salvation Army is doing We have a mandate in the church to do. We must feed. We must clothe. We must do all that we can do in the natural. But that does not, that does not summarize our ministry assignment. Matthew 10 does. The invitation to the church, if we're really going to be effective, is to dare to rely on God for ministry. By the way, just in case you're wondering, in here it says raise the dead. Uh, I've seen a few people healed. I have had uh, no success raising the dead in person. I want to. I do approach caskets. If you see me patting a hand, I'm praying. In the name of Jesus, get up. Now, here's what I will say. On September 24th, I raised a guy from the dead in my dream. In October of 1997, my wife's sister was raped and murdered. Two days into the investigation... I had a dream where I walked to her casket before any information on her case was released. She was laying in the casket. I go up and I, in the dream, command her to come back to life. She, st- she sits up in the casket. I'm just telling you the story. I see her injuries. I asked her who did it. She told me the man's name. The next morning, I went to the detective, and I said, you are going to think me crazy, but I hear God, and this is the man's name who took her life. One year later, they arrested him. That name. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not telling you that story for applause. I'm telling you that dream languages matter. And what God speaks in the dream, it has real life implications. And when God says, hey, I want to interject you into a broken part of this community. And all you carry is the name of Jesus. You need to be willing to go. 
You need to be prepared to go. You need to be that person that says, okay, having done all, we have fed, we have clothed, we have nourished, we have cared for, we have adopted, we've done everything. We still need the Holy Spirit. By the way, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, rather, verse 1, you know what that says, right? That when we, we, it says, and you he made alive, who were what? Dead in our trespasses and sin. Listen, being saved requires the Holy Spirit to resurrect us. It's dead raising power. So even getting someone to say yes to Jesus, even getting someone to have their life changed by Jesus requires resurrection power. We're not going to see people saved because we're just, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions. No, it's in God. I need spirit-empowered ministry. Lord, make us like Samuel where none of your words fall to the ground, but they penetrate the heart and the seeds of those words flourish like in Isaiah 55 where it says, and the word that I send, it will prosper in the thing that I have sent it. Here's the good news. Our part is natural. We pray... God heals. We use the name of Jesus and God moves. Anybody in here ever cast out a devil? That's awesome. Well, wait. No, it's awesome the second time. The first time, you're terrified. But the second time you realize demons are terrified of the name of Jesus. They are terrified of a blood-bought, spirit-filled, actual believer that believes the kingdom of heaven is here. And that they no longer can torment the one that they've been getting away with tormenting. Man, oh man. That'll make a Baptist buck. All right. And that's good stuff. (laughs) Let me give you one final thought that really was birthed out of this dream. Matthew chapter 10 is we need to be generous with all that God has given us through Jesus. Remember Matthew 10, 8? Freely you have received. Can we just do what the old hymn said to do count your many blessings name them one by one listen if we will start to be those people who live in thanksgiving this is what it says it leads to a spirit of generosity we need to be generous in the way that we minister to people we tend to have little boxes right oh we got box we got we got our job box we got our education box got our church box. God's saying, I want to break the box. And I want you to live like a river leaking everywhere. I want you to freely give everywhere that you go. You freely receive. You know what that means, right? Your salvation was free. It cost him everything. Your salvation was free. That spirit he paid for us to have, he now puts in us. And now what? You ought to let it flow like a river. 
Don't give in to the fear of man. Don't give in to the opinions of man. Don't give in to culture. If you have received from Jesus, just start freely giving. Just start freely releasing it. Just start being that person that says, I'm going to be generous with the work that God has done in my life. The first one is something you say. The second is something you do. The third is an attitude of heart. And I have to say that on that morning, watching those first responders working and seeing what was needed in the dream, I thought, how many times does this happen? Where we're busy celebrating the one and there could be a host of others perishing because we have, we have actually just, just turned back the faucet a little bit. And we think, you know what, I need to hold back a little. I don't want to overextend myself. I want to encourage you in something today. If God has done a work in your life, Let's perform spiritual CPR. You know what that stands for? It's cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Here's what I believe. Calvary, it's time you get your hands on the heart of the hurting and the dying. It's time that you let the breath of God that's in you flow in to those who are dead in trespasses and sin. And it's time that you and I sense the urgency of the hour so many will be resuscitated to 